You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all your latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise. And he's interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate all those who tune in. We're over 5 million downloads up to this point, and it's great that a lot of you are listening, and it certainly helps out if you rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. It, it helps the podcast itself. It helps advertisers and so on and so forth. So please continue to do so. It is much appreciated. And we will continue to be doing these every Thursday. We have another two-parter. This podcast, part one, is, and part two, obviously, with the same person. uh, But part one is with the pretty boy Pitbull, Kenny King. You remember him from Rachel's season? He has a lot of interesting stuff to say, to say the least, because he was involved in, obviously, one of the big high-tension racial storylines of the season. But... Obviously got a great edit. I think a lot of people really liked Kenny, and I think you're going to like him even more after hearing uh, these two weeks of interviews with him. But, um, yeah, I think uh, it's a guy that I always wanted to talk to from this season, along with Josiah, and hopefully someday I'll I'll talk to Eric. But uh, enjoy uh, part one of the Pretty Boy Pitbull, Kenny King. Okay, let's get to it. A guy that I know a lot of you fell for on Rachel's season of The Bachelorette. As we, as you know, I, uh, I had contacted Josiah the last couple of weeks. We've heard him on the show the last couple of weeks. There were three guys this season that I thought, or I knew, that I wanted to talk to. I told you it was Josiah, Kenny, and Eric. Those are the three most interesting guys to me. We had Josiah the last two weeks. We got guy number two now. It is the pretty boy Pitbull himself, Kenny King. Kenny, thanks for coming hey, on. Hey, hey. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. How are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, I get a few minutes, few days to... Rest and relax. I was uh, in the UK this past week wrestling and got a couple of days to kind of get back to my real life. And then I head out to Atlanta on Thursday. Yeah, I um, I know that you were in the UK wrestling, and I'm a huge, I'm a huge wrestling mark. I have been for years. I, I'm so interested to talk about that side of you, which the show didn't dive into that much, but we'll we'll get to it later. However, your profession you know, does kind of bring me to my first question of how you got cast. And we've had one wrestler before on the show, but he wasn't a legit wrestler. He's more of a, <laughs> more of a wannabe. Your job is professional wrestling. I mean, you've worked in TNA and impact. You've worked a ring of honor. For those that don't know, those are legit wrestling federations. So how in the world did someone like you get cast on a show like this? Well, uh, it's funny because I never, uh, I I just never seen the show, or I mean, I know obviously it's part of the like the pop culture collective, but I just never watched it or anything like that. And uh, I was talking with a friend of mine that you know we we were just catching up. He he writes a Hollywood blog, and we were just kind of talking. Uh, and he, I can't even remember how the, the 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 subject came up, but he was like, "Yeah, man, would you be ever be interested in being the bachelor, doing the bachelorette?" And we laughed. I was like, "Yeah, right, like a wrestler, bachelor." And it, you know, we we joked, and I said, "Yeah, man, sure, whatever." 
And then, uh, you know, deciding to get anything about it. And then, uh, about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a, uh, from a producer from ABC and, um, half thinking it was a joke, you know, I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing it? And, you know, my first, literally the first thing out of my mouth was, uh, you know, I'm black, right? <laughs> and there was, you know, there was a laugh and we joked and, she, you know, she was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of why I'm calling. <laughs> and, uh, you know, still like the whole time when, you know, they sent me like the paperwork and, uh, sending in like the pictures and going back and forth and like all the correspondence. Like I still like never even thought it was going to happen or it was not really, I'm not, wasn't taking it serious. It was just, just like, yeah, right. This is just not a thing. And then one day it became a thing and, uh, and I was completely down. So when they first approached you, do you remember when this was in terms of time and had Rachel already been announced as the bachelorette? No, Rachel okay. hadn't even been announced up. I mean, up until the point where I went. So, like, I'd probably got a phone call. I, I actually, uh, maybe like late. When's Veterans Day? Is that in October? Gosh, don't put me on the spot on this. Yeah, see, I don't <laughs> yeah. know either. Well, I I, uh, I know that Josiah. We had Josiah on. He said he got contacted the day before his birthday, so like November twenty second, which was that was the first he heard from anybody. So, so I think I might have gotten because my friend is a veteran and he's also a real cheap uh, son of a bitch. So he was on, out on Veterans Day, like trying to get multiple free meals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't seen him in a while, and I was like out with him, meal like, "Yeah, hey, let's go get some breakfast." But I didn't realize that him getting free breakfast was like he was going to try to scam us both free breakfast from different spots. And I was like, "I'm not down with this." Yeah. So I think that was the same day. So okay. around that. So, but then I didn't get to like a real like uh like paperwork uh from them until like maybe like late december okay and then the final casting weekend obviously you were flown to la for yeah that was january that was january okay yeah so that was so that was normal you went through the normal processes you weren't somebody that they picked up you know a week before filming or two weeks before filming which they have done in the past with people so you went through the proper channels um and you know, when when they do that for someone like you and, you know, you go through it, you find out that Rachel is the bachelorette. So when you went through final casting, I'm sure you had an idea Rachel was in the running. This is somebody they were considering, right? Um, so final casting was the first time like there was a uh, – so my mom did most of like my research on this okay. for me. Like I had her watch seasons of The Bachelorette and give me an idea. And like halfway through, she called me and was like, you don't have the slightest idea what you're getting yourself into, do you? I was like, no, Ma, that's your job. You got to tell me what this is. And she just like, boy, you are crazy. So, uh, so that was really – like I kind of watched – 15 minutes of it here, 30 minutes of it there, but I watched a full episode, uh, that final casting weekend. And now, and so that was, I think when they t went to the farm with Nick yeah. or whatever. So I knew that it could be any one of those girls. Uh, so I didn't really know, um, up until it was, you know, I, I got a phone call. I was in San Francisco actually. And that was, and then they were, and then I think after that is when they announced Rachel. Gotcha. And how about the, acceptance or reluctance from the guys in the locker room. I mean, you're, you're in a very male testosterone environment with, uh, with wrestling. When these guys found out that you told, when you told them, Hey, I'm going to go on the bachelorette. What was the response from the guys in the locker room? Uh, you know, 
overwhelmingly uh positive and like what that's that's very cool and uh actually like one of the the first people that I told uh, that I was leaving to go to do it was the Hardys because the Hardys right before they went back to WWE they were in Ring of Honor yeah and uh, we were it was after one of the shows in Vegas um, and I was you know I was like hey man they were like hey man we're gonna you know uh, we're gonna talk about they're talking about the WrestleMania shows I was like no I'm not gonna be there because I'm going on this and like Matt was like what Revy loves that and uh, so like they were <laughs> super uh, you know super supportive of it the Bucks were another guy a bunch of guys that were like man our wives love that show so. <laughs> You know, that's really was, was like the two main reactions to it was like, man, that's great. And then my other friends were like, I hate you because now I have to watch this because my <laughs> wife is, is making me watch this. So those are the two major reactions amongst all my friends. That's right, because WrestleMania was towards the end of March, maybe first couple of days of April when the Hardys made their return. You were off filming. You were. Yeah. I mean, that was God. All right, I'm totally geeking out on this because I literally could do a two-hour podcast with you just on the wrestling business alone, and so <laughs> because there's so many things that I'm interested about it. But we'll, like I said, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, so talk about the first night. You you get there, you have an idea of what the show is about, but like you said, you're not a diehard. You really didn't know much about the inner workings and how stuff works on this show. When you when you got there and you looked around the room, who did you immediately think was your competition? Well, I mean, it's like you look around the room. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, uh, my first limo was is it was kind of like what set the tone for uh, that is stiff competition. I was in the very first limo, and in the first limo was myself, Josiah, Peter, Brian, and Canadian Rob. Uh, right. Well, so, outside of Canadian Rob, that's a stacked limo. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean that is uh, that is about as stacked as limos you can get. You know, so that, you know, you walk, I, first of all, I, I'm stuck in a hotel room for five days and then they throw me in a limo with these guys. And I'm like, well, damn, these guys are, <laughs> this is what's up here. I guess it's, 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 you know, it's, it's razor sharp. So, and, you know, after that, then there's more guys that come in and then, you know, you have a guy that comes in with a marching band and then you, you know, every one of these guys is good looking and they're professional. And it, so it's immediately one of those situations where like, damn, they actually really did bring the cream of the crop uh, f for this, uh, and, and this is going to be very interesting. Uh, and then, you know, you got a guy that comes in with a microphone or a megaphone screaming wah-boom, uh, and then, <laughs> you know, so, uh, then there's like, okay, well, there's obviously like a, a grading curve, uh, here, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just one of those things where you look around like, damn, like, you know, the, the, the one thing I don't want to do, A, is go home the first night, but, you know, if you look around, like, damn, how how can I stand out? Like that 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 then you start thinking strategy. Like, what can I do to to kind of like stand out and make myself a presence amongst all these guys? Yeah, I think that um, you know when that happens on the first night, <clears throat> I think a lot of people get to the point where it's just like, gosh, I'm kind of overwhelmed by the whole thing. Who did you kind of connect with on the first night? Who did you vibe with? And obviously, as the show went on, you made probably closer friends with some than others. But on that first night, do you remember who you vibed <laughs> with first or who you? Started talking to immediately. Uh, I think the guys that I talked to like uh, the most early on were like Fred. I talked to Mike, uh, Mike Black from Chicago. Um, I talked to Rob actually a lot. Like in the Canadian, Rob was a really really cool guy. 
Um, so, you know, it's just like guys that, you know, as you, as you kind of going around making your rounds and you're, you know, you're doing your, your nervous drink and you kind of find three or four dudes that you kind of, yeah. you know, run up on and, Hey man, what's up? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's cool. The, you know, Demario, you know, Josiah and I, uh, you know, Josiah's Jamaican. My family's from Guyana. So, you know, that Caribbean thing. So there was a lot of guys that you kind of, kind of, you know, through the 17 hours, I think it was that we were there, <laughs> you kind of find different home bases to kind of, you know, pass the time. Now we got to go Mackenzie, obviously on the show, she became a huge part of your storyline. Um, was she skeptical at all about you going on the show and what was her thoughts initially? Uh, say Mackenzie. Yeah. What were her, uh, well, what were her thoughts was, initially when you told her, uh, this is what I'm going to do. She was <laughs> she's like, really? And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. And you know, she was very, uh, her, her, you know, her grandmother on her mother's side loves the show. So okay. she, uh, she had actually just come to visit and I think that she had actually been spending time watching Nick's season. So it's kind of, kind of weird how that whole thing, uh, might've played out because she probably saw Rachel before I did. Um, <laughs> but you know, she was very supportive night, you know, when I, up until the point where, okay, you know, that sounds cool. That sounds good. Well, how long are you going to be gone? Yeah. That's when it starts to be like, what? <laughs> so, you know, but it was just one of those things where, you know, I could be on this long or I could be on this long. Like, I really don't know. And, and we talked about like what it would actually mean if I were to be gone the full, you know, the full time and, you know, what it would actually mean if I met, you know, the, the whole thing, like, she's very, very smart, man. She's very intuitive and, I can I, I can talk to her like a grown up, and she understands very complex you know, situations. So she was very supportive uh, from the very beginning. Other than obviously, you'll be gone for forever. Is she in Vegas with you? Like you and her mother are in the same state, city? Yeah, we're, okay. we're in the same city. Okay, uh, so joint custody. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So she's with me like every you know every other week, so Friday to Friday. Gotcha. Does she go to a lot of your shows? Uh, you know, she doesn't really care for wrestling. (laughs) She's been to a few, you know, she's, uh, she likes to meet my, you know, the the guys, uh, kids that are there, but you know, she's, she can really take or leave wrestling. (laughs) So the dates start happening and the first date that you were on was the domestic obstacle course. And (laughs) Kenny, you have a kid. How did you not win the domestic obstacle course? Like waboom? Uh, Really? Like how did that guy win? Well, two 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 reasons. Okay. If you look at the end where uh you know, you had to put the, the like set the table basically. You have to yeah. set the table and you have to put the baby in the uh in the thing and so I'm basically one Ashton's supposed to be looking at one table and Mila's supposed to be looking at the other table. Well Waboom is fucking it up so bad they're both over there yelling at him as I'm putting my thing, you know, my my setting my my table set. The only thing I didn't have was like the baby set up right. I set it up and then I'm screaming, Yo, come over here, look and they're both yelling at him, No, put it over there and I'm like, Stop fucking looking at him, look at me. So by the time they finally get they send him off you know, they turn around and look at me like they took a glance at my table. And I'm like, okay, go. And I was like, really wanted to double clothesline both of them at that point. And had, so now it's like, okay, Wobbloom's got like a 10 to 15 yard head start on me. And I'll cut my legs off if I can't walk Wobbloom down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not really worried about that shit at all. Yeah. But this is supposed to be a kind of, you know, this is their first 
kind of the first in the competition. I don't want to be the dude that like runs him down and like runs up his back and down the other. So I caught him right when he picked up the bouquet. And so I kind of break down, like I play football. So I break down and I'm going to just try to slow him up so I can grab it. And to his credit, he hit me with a pretty sick ass stiff arm. <laughs> now, he called me off guard because I would have never, if I was Waboom, I would have been like, I'm a stiff arm, this dude. But yeah. <laughs> to, to his credit, Waboom's maybe got more guts and brains, but uh, <laughs> he hit me with the ill stiff arm. He, he didn't knock me down, but caught me off guard. And and that was all it really took right there. But I I blame you know the, the shoddy judging of uh, of Mila, Mila and, and Ashton. At, at what point did you realize that Waboom was just kind of like a clown? Like he was there to do that. I mean, and were you aware of him and Blake both being on a previous reality dating show and essentially being? Eskimo brothers, like, were you aware of all this? Did you find this out when you were in the house? Or I actually in? found it out. Like, Blake's told it to me right before we got to the vin- whatever that was, the Malibu uh, wine safari. Before we like did the first portion of the day with Rachel. Okay, Blake was like, "Yeah, I was on another reality show," and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> it didn't really make any sense to me that I was like, "So did they know that?" Like, I was like, "Oh, okay," because yeah. you know he just kind of shared it with me, and I was like, "All right, then that's." interesting i guess um and then you know like here's the thing like okay so waboom was the clown from day from like from day one like you couldn't i would have bet money like waboom is not getting a row so he gets one yeah but i will say this like lucas is a completely different animal from waboom like you know he's waboom is 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 who he is but when you actually get to know lucas if you hang out with lucas he's actually like he's not a despicable human being he's a palatable dude he's a cool guy so when you get those intermittent glimpses of lucas in between you know yeah it's just like oh god so before you know at first it was like you can't even tolerate being in the same room with this dude and then it's not so bad yeah no i hear you um it's funny because you work in an industry where there's the regular people that you know outside of the ring that are either, you know, husbands or father, whatever the case may be. And then you've got an in-ring persona that you have to portray. And for sure, it's almost like Waboom is a wrestler. The Waboom is his yeah, yeah. His, Waboom is Waboom's his stick. a gimmick, man. I, I mean, I spotted that from from day one. He comes out. I mean, dude had merch. He came with his damn tee. If that's yeah. not wrestling, I don't know what it is. Dude had a a. a, a cartoon waboom on his shirt yeah. <laughs> when you're supposed to be dressed to the nines to make an impression on Rachel. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, come on. That's what that is. Yeah. He was, I mean, if there was ever a heel in the history of this show, it was waboom because Man. he played it about at what? I mean, the thing was, the thing that got me was the fact that they cast Blake along with him. Like these two, had a past and it continued on to the show and they've both dated the same girl from that show. And then that girl moved in with Blake. It just, the whole thing was it's so bizarre. As hell, right? <laughs> so weird. Yeah. It's so bizarre. And then their exit where they're filming ITMs at different parts of the driveway. And then they start talking to each other and yelling at each other. It's, it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened in the history of television is when Blake comes over or they're yelling at each other. And Waboom says, you don't even know what's funny. And he says, Waboom's not funny. Waboom's pie in the face. Waka waka fart joke. <laughs> it was just, I mean, I mean, 
this show doesn't break the fourth wall very often, but the fact that they were shooting their ITMs within 50 feet of each other and then the camera pulls back and we actually see it going on. Like we know it goes on, but we've never actually seen it go on like that. It was just, it was comedy. Fantastic. Like, it was good. Absolutely loved it. It was, it was good TV. Let, let's put it that way. Um. Waka waka fart joke. I laughed. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I spit food out and I laughed. <laughs> and I still, every time I think about that, I laugh. And, and Blake not only saying it, but just with the gyrations and kind of yes, flailing his arms all around. Like, like he was really, I mean, he was bothered Man, Blake, by Waboom. Like, you got to understand. I mean, Blake had a thing. Like, he, like, it, it was, it, his presence really literally bothered Blake. Like, it was, oh, yeah. I mean, it was a thing where, you know, when Lucas isn't being Waboom, it was like, ah, no, no big deal. But, like. Blake would be there seething, even if like Lucas was just, <laughs> just being normal. He would just be mad as hell. Yeah. For no, no reason. It was something else. Couple sponsors to talk to you about right now. First up, Quip Toothbrush. Here's something to chew on. Many recent studies suggest that having good oral health impacts your overall health. Yet most of us don't brush our teeth properly. You can start brushing better. Today, introducing Quip, the new company that's refreshing the way people brush their teeth. Starting at just 25 bucks, Quip is an electric toothbrush that packs the premium vibration and timer features into an ultra-slim design that's half the cost of the bulkier brushes. It's basically like Apple designed a toothbrush without the giant price tag. You can even subscribe to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just $5, including free shipping. You have to see it and brush with it yourself. Quip is packed backed by leading dentists. It was named the one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. Plus, they even won a 2016 GQ Grooming Award and made it on Oprah's 2017 New Year's O list. It's 2017. I can't imagine many people still brush manually. Do you? Maybe I'm just lazy, but I'm telling you, electric toothbrushes are the way to go, and Quip is excellent. I can't sit there and yank my arm back and forth for minute and a half, two minutes. And if I ever forget my toothbrush and I have to manually do it, I only do it, ended up doing it for like 30 or 45 seconds, I'm going to get tired. Get your Quip toothbrush. It's on a perfect timer. You'll love it. And right now, go get Quip.com slash Steve to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Steve. Getquip.com slash Steve. Also want to talk to you about a new sponsor that I love. You think of getting an in-home massage as something only available to the rich and famous? Think again. I got one. I'm not rich. I'm not famous. Zeal brings the same-day massages right to your door. All you got to do is go to zeal.com, choose your preferred technique, gender, time, etc., then one of Zeal's 9,000 licensed massage therapists, along with everything you need to turn your living room into a spa, can be at your door in as little as an hour. Scheduling, booking, and payment are fast and easy. Even the tip is already included, so don't wait all week for a massage. See for yourself why Zeal has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Good Morning America, and try Zeal today. I'm telling you, I did it. I signed up. I did everything on a Saturday. It literally took me two minutes, and my appointment was booked for Monday at 10 a.m. She was here at 9.55. She set it up in my living room, and I got a 50-minute massage, just your basic Swedish 50-minute massage. There's all types of massages that you can get. You can choose your time as well. They come equipped with their table, with the sheets. You lay down, you get a massage, 
all in the comforts of your own home. To get started, you can get 25% off your first massage by using the promo code Steve at checkout. Plus, sign up for Zeal's massage membership and you'll get 20% off all your massages and a massage table and sheet set free. That's $380 value, yours free. There's no initiation fee to join. Just great savings on top of the $25 discount you'll get when you use the promo code Steve. So go to zeal, Z-E-E-L.com, or Zeal's iPhone and Android app, and then make sure to click add promo code at checkout. Use my code Steve and get $25 off your first in-home on-demand massage. Guys, take advantage of this. It's great. I had my first one a few days ago, and it was excellent. So with that, zeal.com backslash Steve, or excuse me, zeal.com promo code Steve. Just go to the ad promo code, type in Steve, you'll get $25 off when you use the promo code. Now, the rest of part one of the Kenny King interview, uninterrupted, commercial-free, ad-free, whatever you want to call it. Please enjoy the rest of Kenny King. On to episode number three, where you got put on a mud wrestling date, and again, Kenny the wrestler gets put on a mud wrestling date, yet somehow doesn't win. Who Brady, Bryce, who won? Bryce, who was it? Bryce. I'm, I'm mixing up Brady and Bryce. They were basically the same person. Um, mm-hmm. How in the world does Bryce beat you on a mud wrestling date when, Bro, you, when you, you could throw that guy around with your pinky? I mean, do you like? Have you ever seen like what I actually do in real life? Oh yeah, no, I've watched the video. So like. So, like, pro wrestling and mud wrestling is not is like complete, two completely different things. Yeah. One, there's not like there's no way to really win. It's not like there's a referee where you like pin a guy or throw a guy outside of the the the, the little area. It's just hey, yeah. guys, come in here and wrestle for these drunk you know women and whoever gets screamed for the loudest at the end. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's how it wins. So, but my third mud wrestling uh, match. Uh, so I've been wrestling for 15 years and we had all sorts of like shoulder and knee and, and whatnot issues. So like my shoulder, which has been jacked up for years now, is starting to tweak a little bit and I'm already blown up and I'm like, what the hell am I doing, bro? I got to go back to work after this. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I jack myself up and I got to walk back in the ring of honor and be like, yeah, guys, sorry, I can't, you know, wrestle Kushida cause I hurt my shoulder in a mud wrestling match. That would just make me look really, really dumb. Yeah. So, uh, I was trying to jeopardize my income uh for a mud wrestling match <laughs> yeah uh, Bri- yeah I, I think a lot of us realize that bryce had zero chance of ever beating you yeah professional I mean, wrestling or mud wrestling but <laughs> you know sometimes you gotta pick where, like, yeah, the girls yell and the girls get drunk and they yell and the t- you know sometimes sometimes the tide turns man yeah you know, baby face one day heal the next <laughs> this is how it goes yeah um from that point things started to get interesting with you and um I want to get into the Lee stuff because obviously it was, it dominated the show from episode probably three, four, and five. um, From right when you left LA to basically all of South Carolina to till your two on one. And is there was there anything before that, or is that really when it kind of started and he started getting under your skin? I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, I, I, I feel as though it really wasn't, it was just one of those things that it's like a sore that just, that if you don't, it just festered and it continued. So like there was nothing like Lee, it wasn't, 
Lee was cool. Like we drink whiskey. It wasn't like it was a, a, a thing. Everybody's at this point is just trying to get to know each other and get kind of get along. And, you know, this, that house is only so big when there's 20 dudes in it. So, you know, you end up in conversations with dudes and drinking, drinking with dudes and staying up. So like Lee, there was never any issues with Lee. Mm-hmm. And realistically, the issue was we had made pretty much the guys in the house had pretty much made whatever gentleman's agreement. We're going to play this pretty much like gentlemen. If you, if you have an opportunity with Rachel uh, and there are dudes that haven't had an opportunity with Rachel, let everybody go for, I mean, just common courtesy, let everybody go first before you're trying to jump back in there and, and, and dominate this time because everybody has to have at least, you know, their opportunity. That's pretty easy, you know, golden rule type stuff. So the only issue was, okay, Lee, had his time. I bumped him. He came back and tried to jump back in there when I was kind of having an important conversation with Rachel. And I didn't make it a thing then and there. You know, I kind of was like, okay, this is some bullshit, but I'll, you know, I'll handle it later. And then when the only reason it became a thing is when I tried to address it, he was dismissive and, you know, kind of being an ass about it. And I probably had about four or five Hennessy's and, you know, know, uh, all of those things are, you know, a cocktail for a, uh, for a testosterone fuel situation. But that was it. Like I said, what I had to say, you know, I told Lee, you know, no certain terms. I don't really fuck with you at this point since that's the kind of guy that you are when I'm just trying to make it clear that, Hey, look, you did something that's out of bounds. This is how I feel about it and we can move on. Well, he just, you know, in his, in, in that manner was very dismissive toward me. And I'm like, bro, you're not going to talk to me like that. And it was done. So that was that, but it was, it was loud and you know, it, it, it was whatever. So I thought at that point there was a good chance that because it was so loud that, you know, if she heard it, then I probably wouldn't get a rose because, you know, <laughs> that's not really, that's the, literally the worst time to have that, that, that conversation or that confrontation is, you know, on a cocktail party for a rose ceremony, but it happened. Yeah. And if it, if if I didn't get one, then I knew exactly why. But I did. I took a deep breath, and I completely expected for all that shit to go away going into South Carolina, and it didn't. So, what was the thing that lit the fire in South Carolina? Just him being dismissive again? I no, it was that he it, the shit came up. I had completely like I I guess. I wasn't worried about it. We went on the date. Everything was cool. We're at the yacht club. I, you know, I spent my little rap to Rachel. I was trying yeah. to like get, now I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get my time. I'm trying to slide in. And she brings up the shit about Lee. And I'm like, okay, well, here's why that happened. I thought that this thing, he told me, he, he played me this way, uh, <clears throat> very dismissive. I lost it, you know, but it's, it's a rap. It's whatever. So, but she's kept continuing to bring it up and, and, and make it a thing. And I'm like, yo, we're past this. This is a week ago. And I even told her, I was like, I didn't even expect you to give me a rose last week because of that. But now that I got one and we are here, I don't really understand why this is even relevant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just kind of, you know, it continued like that. So it really kind of upset me because I'm over here trying, I didn't even, you could have, Literally hit me with a brick. I had no, she completely knocked me off course. I had no idea she was going to bring that up. I wasn't thinking about it. I don't know why she was because he spent his time talking about how aggressive I was. And I don't know. I can't even remember all kind of bullshit. But basically, instead of advancing his, you know, relationship with her, he spent his time trying to sabotage mine. So that's how it got lit up on the South Carolina because I'm, 
now thrown aback, like, yo, why are you talking about me? <laughs> why don't you go about your own, your own situation? We had our, our thing. We haven't talked that whole week. And that was it. Like, we, we done. We, we have to live here for as long, for however many more days that you're here. But I don't have to deal with him anymore until he's continuously, as my man Eric would say, he's got my name in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you got to Norway, and then I can't remember if Chris Harrison was the one that said, okay, there's going to be a one-on-one, a group, and a two-on-one. Before we even got to the process of elimination where, okay, yeah, Lee and I are a two-on-one, did you think that you guys were going to be put on the two-on-one? Well, they never said that. Okay. They, 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 they didn't really – how you knew there was going to be a two-on-one, it was just two names. Yeah. There was a one-on-one and a group date. Then they were the group date and you realized left. there were two left. Yeah. And then okay. I, that's when, yeah. So on the two-on-one. We never saw all of what went down. I'm sure that was obviously that was a pared down version of what probably really went down or things that were said and whatnot. Is there <laughs> is there one major thing that we missed that was never shown? Well, here's I mean, just about the two on one in general was like this. Yeah. I, I was salty as shit about it because it just made me like, listen, if Rachel thinks of me on the same level of as Lee, yeah. where she's got to decide whether she wants to keep me or Lee, then what the hell is even fucking going on here? Yeah. And that was like my, you know, that was, you know, my, my mindset initially, like, why am I even on the, like, do you, is, is, is your mirror, like something wrong with your eyes? Like what, <laughs> what is going on here where I, like me and Lee are being put up on a scale and being at, you know, okay, I got to weigh who's, who's more compatible or I, I, that I didn't understand. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, is this just the alley-oop for me to fucking dust Lee off? As, but it just was one of those things where I just didn't really like even being in that situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I will just say this, like a lot of people have asked me about this and I feel like this is the most important thing that, <clears throat> that a lot of the most important question uh, to needs to be answered uh, is people ask me like, why would you go back? Well, yeah, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll, you know, I'll just like, this is my, like my, my, my stock answer. Yeah. Uh, there, there were, uh, influences beyond my control, outside of my control, yeah. that were very uh, adamant about me going back to talk to Lee, even though I had literally fucking nothing to say to Lee. Yeah. Um. So that being said, if I could do it again, I would have definitely stuck to my guns and gotten that helicopter and flown away because. There was nothing else that needed to be said. After dude sucking mine, I pulled him out of a, <laughs> like I pulled him out of a van. Like this is the funniest thing in the whole world to me because if I just had I, I exhibited a whole lot of control with Lee. If I would have just lost it and decided to pull Lee out of a van, we would have heard about it on CNN. Like yeah, that, it, it would have just been a thing. Yeah, I would have just said forget it already. I'm just going just I'm just going to get it in. Like let's just do it. You could step on that guy and crush him basically. Like there was so, no there was no assault taking place there and the fact that he went to Rachel with it and said he grabbed like I could understand the frustration without a doubt. Like it just seemed like this was hey, we've got a storyline here. Let's just keep going with it. I don't know if they were feeding Lee stuff to tell her. Who knows? I mean, the, just the fact that Lee was on this show to begin with is still a giant question mark in a lot of people's okay. mind. You know? Well, let's say let's say <laughs> that. Let's let's not say that because 
okay, you got the, you know, the, the, the Southern gentleman who wears cowboy boots and the guitar. That, that reaches a certain demographic. Yeah. But then you've got to pair that person up against Rachel Lindsay, who he doesn't check any boxes there. Zero. Uh, once, once you start talking to him, he opens his mouth. He, he gets his mannerisms, what he does, how he is. He don't check any boxes when it comes up to Rachel Lindsay. So for dude to have made it so far yeah. uh, with, with, <laughs> with no merits, uh, you know. Yeah. No, trust me. I mean, there are people on this show that we know. I mean, in the, in the past, obviously, this is my job. I'm familiar with a lot of – former contestants and how this process works. And yes, we are very well aware at this point. Well, I shouldn't say we as meaning a majority because still uh, definitely in the minority of people that follow it as closely as I do and have watched every season and every episode and kind of see how things work. Middle America, see how things work. Middle America, no. They just watch a show on Monday night for two hours. They don't read blogs. They don't understand how this works. They don't they don't know anything other than what is shown to them for two hours every Monday night. Then they shut their brain off for a week until it's on again, and they think this shit is real. And, um, you know, there's real feelings involved. I'm not saying that part isn't real, but people lasting a certain amount of time, um, situations that people are put into specifically to get a certain reaction. Like, I know it happens. Um, there's a certain part of the audience that knows it happens. But did Lee whatever his last name is. I'm already forgetting. I want to say Lee Jansen, but I know that's not it. That's a golfer. No, it's um, not Lee, Lee uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Lee Garrett, really someone on this show that was cast because, wow, we think Rachel Lindsay could fall in love with this guy. No, we know. You know, it doesn't, it's like unspoken. Like we know, but right. You know, going forward, the mental all was interesting to me because for the longest time leading up to the mental all, I did not think Lee was going to appear because I just didn't think there was anything for him to gain possibly by going on the men tell all. However, he shows up, he cops to things sort of, um, <laughs> I just, In a I mean, roundabout. Yeah. Way. I mean, you, hu you hugged it out with him and I know you wanted to bury the hatchet with him. Um, I guess my question to you would be, did you believe what he was selling on the men tell all? Or do you well, think he was doing it because he knows that's what America wanted to hear and he was under fire? Well, I definitely believe that he was under fire. So I, I don't – but the thing about it is I don't believe that it matters whether he, even he believed what he was selling then. What matters is what, what Lee has done uh, in, the, in the days and weeks since then. Yeah, so, I you agree. know, that's really at the at the end of the day, like, you know, it, it, yeah, it was like getting blood from a stone to get him to be, I mean, not in a contrite, but just like cognizant of what the hell it was even being, you know, was contrition was for like, okay, I'm sorry for this. And the, I understand that these actions are so it took a while to get there. So sometimes it takes people a while to to you know, come to that kind of realization. And then realistically it takes may take them even longer to move and actually create action on those realizations. So that's really going to be the, the litmus test for all of this is what Lee does or has done, you know, in Nashville since he's been home, <clears throat> the hard conversations maybe he's had to have with people that he knows that feel, a, feel that way. And you know, that that's, 
and a lot of that isn't going to be done with there's going to be no witness yeah. to any of that that's got to be who lee is and who lee wants to be as a human being whether he just kind of wanted to stop getting hate <laughs> hate comments on his on social media yeah. and just kind of go back to being normal or whether he was really like damn when i take a step back um uh, this, this was really kind of stupid it, it just it just depends on who lee wants to be and that's and that's and that's really up to Lee. What do you know about him since men tell all have you, has he ever reached out to you? Has he reached out to any of the guys? Do any of the guys talk to him or is he I just, don't know no. that he's reached out to any of the guys. I okay. mean, I don't, uh, and certainly not you, obviously he hasn't. No, I mean, he's, you know, he followed me on social media. Uh, but you know, I, we haven't really spoken okay. I, again. I don't really i don't hold any ill will toward lee like it, it was not lee didn't do anything to me he was a pain in my ass on on a, on a reality show yeah you know so it wasn't like he wronged me in any way shape or form yeah he might have screwed up my path with rachel but if rachel and i were supposed to be together you couldn't drop a damn wall in front of us and, you know so that's just it, it's not a thing you know the Kenny and Lee thing. It was is not a a real thing. It's more, you know, Lee against himself and Lee against you know what, what some ideals that may or may not be good for just who you know just for humanity. Uh, I'm I'm cool. Like I don't <laughs> I'm not mad at Lee in any way, shape, or form. He didn't do nothing to me. I'm, I got way bigger things to think about. I can't remember who said it specifically on the mental. I want to say it was Dean, but he made a good point where. You know, you were obviously very well liked on this show. And I think Dean made the point at the men tell all like, look, Lee, the fact that you had a problem with Kenny, a guy that everybody in the house pretty much loved, like that pretty much shows this has more to do with you than it does to do with Kenny. I think I think it was Dean that said that. Like, yeah, look, no, if you have Dean. a problem with Kenny, then you've got an issue because how can you have a problem with that guy? Yeah, I mean it was it everybody's everybody's great and 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 that was that really made me feel good to hear you know you know we talk we have one of the most lit group chats i think in the history of of, of any reality show yeah. uh and and we really we really really like have become really really tight a lot of us so it just kind of and you know those things but to kind of hear it in that in that capacity where people are just firing off like positive affirmations about like what kind of person that you are uh you know that really it, it really felt good and it just kind of cemented the fact like bro, I, I didn't come here to scrap with lee i came here to to, to see what's up with rachel and i just got caught up and through it all when you watched everything back and you watched the show is there any part of you that was disappointed on how you handled any part of the Lee situation. Uh, other than the fact that, you know, it made, it made me look super stupid and petty that I would go back and, and talk to Lee uh, <laughs> after Rachel had already chosen me. Absolutely yeah. not, man. Okay. Like, nah, look, the, I, I didn't, it, it's, I always liken it's like the Allen Iverson thing, like practice. Like, what does we talk about? We talk yeah. about practice, like continuously. I didn't do anything. I checked the dude that was trying to, that that had, done something that I found to be out of bounds. Uh, and, and I checked him once. I might have got loud. I was a little drunk. Didn't touch him. Didn't threaten him. Didn't do anything. Moved on. So, uh, and, and in that, it continued. It became practice. We continued to talk about the Lee thing. Aggressive. Aggressive means I put my hands around his neck. It did something. Like, I just said, hey, bro, what you did was was, was completely 
to the left, let's not have this happen again. Yeah. That's that's not aggressive. Yeah. No. So, but the fact that we continued this ping pong of bullshit, uh, you know, and then of course, like it, I might have lost my my head a little bit and unleashed the greatest string of profanity that yeah. Bachelor Nation has ever heard. But you know, all of that is just, you know, I, I don't think that if I would have handled it any other way, I would have been authentic because that's how I would have handled that situation. If after everything, I'm caught up with this. I'm trying to get away from. I'm stuck on a two-on-one date with you, and I'm still trying to get my time. And I hear that you tell her I pulled her out of a van. Nah, bro, I'm snapping, and I'm gonna cuss you out. Like yeah. that's just what it is. Yeah, like when you came back out of the woods from that, and you were walking towards them, and you were just, you know, clenching your fists together, like, Woo! Yeah. I'm just <laughs> in utter disbelief at this point. Like, yo, what else? Like, what could you could possibly create? To, to, to like, what did I do to you, man? Leave me alone. <laughs> it was enough. It was it was really too much at that point. Yeah, I, I think one thing that I saw and thought at the time, and you know, I I'm not a father, so I can't speak to this. But was there a part of you when I'm assuming Mackenzie watched the show when you know you continuously called Lee a little bitch? Is that something that maybe you were like? Eh. Didn't set well, yeah. the greatest example. Like uh, maybe McK- I didn't, McKenzie didn't need to see that. Well, yeah. Oh, of course. Obviously, like you know, uh, these are these are all all of these you know clips or whatnot. These aren't like fresh evening. These are you know one thirty, two thirty in the morning, six, seven drinks deep in, and you know yeah. my powers of like my my vocabulary isn't uh, you know razor sharp. It's dull, and I'm getting to the point. Hey, man, I think you're a bitch because. Why do you keep bringing me up? So yeah, yeah, you know I, that that's that is the conversation. And again, I have you know very high level conversations with her because she can understand them. So yeah, I yeah. definitely explain myself as far as like yeah, you know, <laughs> me calling him a bitch twenty five times is not indicative of how I want to be shown or how I want you to behave. But <laughs> here's exactly why these things happen and you know we, we all we can do here is try to be better so yeah and i think that's i mean it's it's good that you pre- pre- presented it that way and you have a relationship enough with your daughter to where that can be explained and she isn't like oh wow that was odd um, right right is, she, is she there, understands me yeah and is there i mean i guess the, the biggest thing that the question i have about lee for you is through all this, and then obviously not until after you got off the show was the stuff about old tweets of his being brought to the forefront and that stuff coming out and seeing all that and dealing with him on the show. I guess it's just a flat yes or no question. Do you think he's a racist? Uh, those are two di- those are two different questions, okay. but I'll, I'll answer it like this because I just just like I said in Mentello, in my personal interactions with Lee, uh, even through all of that, um, the, 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 there I didn't feel oh Lee could Lee could be racist or Lee's racist. It's that feels a certain way. There is a there is anybody who's ever experienced racism knows that that's that 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 feels a certain way. People that are in that way are that way in their interactions, and they don't mask it very well. Um, you know, Lee, up until the point where I you know called him out on his bullshit, had always been pretty cool. Yeah. You know, always open, very you know engaging. Hey man, let's take a shot. What do you talk? Tell me about wrestling. Like I wrestled Lee. 
in the mud wrestling match a week before all this happened. And like, you know, I made sure I didn't kill him. Like it, yeah. it's, you know, yeah. so it was, it wasn't a situation if, if it was a thing where like, Oh, from the very beginning, like I smelled him, you know, I smelled them, you know, I could smell the Confederate flag on him. It would have been a completely different, uh, it probably would have literally might have went a completely different way. Yeah. Uh, if I would have, felt that it was coming from a different way. Maybe, maybe, you know, that was for the best because I, I, it didn't, there wasn't any venom behind it. It was just a guy who was out of his league trying to hang. And so, but then when you, you know, take a step back and then you look at that, look at that. And then you look at the tweets and then you look at, you know, just the general ideology behind that shit. It's, it, it, you know, then it's very easy to look back and be like, Oh, well, okay. Maybe I can see where all that was coming from. So, uh, it, it, it's, I believe that, you know, if Lee isn't a, a racist in and of himself, which I don't really believe, I just don't feel that. I just believe that maybe he's got some questionable, he, he's got some people around him that are questionable as shit, or he's, some, there, there's somebody around him with some sideways ideals yeah. that influences him to say, I mean, the end, the end AACP equals the clan. I mean, let's just, that's like, you it's have ridiculous. to, that's a completely sideways way of thinking that doesn't either, you you have to be like trying to impress somebody to go that wild. You know, there's just no basis for you know, you know logical ground for that. Yeah. So it's somebody around him or people that he you know that is influencing him because he doesn't. People that don't like you because you're black will don't care that you don't that you know they don't like you because you're black. Good point. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's <laughs> never really thought of it that way. But I think one thing is that. Because it was being, because it's a tel- television show and it's being, you guys are being filmed and you're out there. This is March and April of this year where all this is going on. And it wasn't until after the show began when the tweets got made public, they made this whole Lee Kenny thing almost a race thing that happened on the show, but it was never about race. This wasn't a black white thing with you and Lee. There wasn't any. He didn't. He never said anything, you know, racist towards you. He never called you a name or something like that. But it was, we were watching, <clears throat> we were watching in June and July stuff that happened two months earlier between a black guy and a white guy, and then his tweets get released, and then it's just like, oh well, this must have been race fueled, and they and they built it around that, and I almost felt, I felt bad for you guys because it didn't, it wasn't. You're, you're like you said. Your issue with Lee had nothing to do with race or racist comments. He wasn't that that came out after the fact. But when it was airing, it was relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. It was just too. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But um, you you said it about as well as you could. It was not a. It, this wasn't about race, but the show almost turned it into race by bringing well, that was up his that race. was the you know that was. <laughs> I mean, that's unfortunate that that's where we are in this country, that because it could could possibly be about race, uh, that we could drum it up. And you know what I mean? That yeah. That's that's a really shitty thing and a kind of indictment of, of like where we are uh, as a society. But, you know, because the truth of the matter is inside of it, it was there was nothing about race. This, now, mind you calling someone aggressive that hasn't even like threatened you is old school bullshit. And Rachel should have absolutely seen through that. But 
other than that, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I still feel the way that I feel. Yeah, I think that there was, I mean, for the most part, when when you're dealing with that and everything that went that went along with it, it just didn't seem like it needed to be brought. Like, I don't know if you knew who I was before the show started and before you got on the show or whatever the case may be, but when Rachel was announced as the Bachelorette, I pretty much predicted. I said, I don't look. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be about. But considering this is the first uh, black lead in the history of the show in 34 seasons, don't think that we're not going to get some race storyline down the road. This is before filming even started. I said this. Like, look, this is what they're going to do because there's no way they can't not do it because everybody knows this is the first black lead that we've had. They're not going to do it. I said, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know what form it's going to take. But trust me, there's going to be a race storyline on this show, and that's that's exactly where it was with Lee. Like, well, listen, he, since, he since you're so good at, at forecasting, <laughs> uh, I need you to go ahead and tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl so I can put that <laughs> money down right now because uh, they're doing some pretty good deals, 40 to 1, 50 to 1, so yeah. some long shots. So um, we can split see. this money, Super you know. Bowl, let's see. Super Bowl. I'm still doing my studying on Super Bowl. Um, I mean, the Patriots are up there. I, I don't think – one thing you can count on, and just this is based on past history of Super Bowl, the Super Bowl loser rarely even gets back to the game the next year. True. So you can be, just eliminate the Falcons. They're done. No, you. I, I don't think the Falcons uh, are going to get out of the NFC South this year. So. Yeah, I think Well, I think Tampa's everybody's cream of the crop yes. right now. So. Well, thank you, because I'm a Bucks fan. I knew you <laughs> Oh, you're a Bucks that. fan. Okay. Yes, I'm All a Bucks right. fan. I'm so happy that everybody is coming to see the light. <laughs> Well, I mean, I am enjoying Hard Knocks, so let's put it that. I mean, it's been yes. fun to watch Hard Knocks. It's really fun uh, to watch those shows. Um, better reality show than in terms of what's really going on. Like, all those guys know cameras are around, and I'm sure some ham it up for the cameras. But just to see what goes on in the locker room and in football meetings, you know, it's a, it's a great show, and I watch it every summer. Um, right. but, um, no, it's a great show. Yeah. Um, let's get to Norway. Your eggs uh, – not Norway. Um Wait, when did the Viking thing happen? That was uh, Copenhagen. Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so let's get to Denmark. You got to be a Viking. You got your battle scar with Adam to prove it. Um, yep. How about that? Adam actually got hit too and bled, and nobody knew that the whole time. Yeah, I just. The first thing I thought was it was that you bladed. Like, I, I honestly thought you bladed. I thought that was fake. Like I didn't, I, I didn't buy it. <laughs> um, when that's I first, only, listen, that's only that you, you you get that because you're a wrestling fan. Yeah, but uh, listen, I'm not I'm not gigging for the bachelorette, bro. That, that ain't happening. <laughs> um, okay, so but what happened in Denmark was you had one of the classier exits that we've ever seen in the history of the show. I mean, the understanding that you and Rachel both had over her letting you go is really not something that we ever get to see on this show. It's usually just a bitter, like, I'm going to let you go, and that person complains or whines or I didn't get enough time. So can you just explain that further, how you and Rachel got to that point? Well, you know, I think that, like, that's just a testament to kind of, you know, what Rachel and I had really kind of been building. I think, you know, a lot of people just thought that – uh Every time I talked to Rachel, all I did was like spill my guts about Mackenzie or talk about Lee. But, you know, yeah. like Rachel and I had really like a good connection. We talked about like really, we, we talked about real stuff and we, you know, we really kind of got each other on a lot of levels. So, um, 
you know, we got sidetracked. The whole lead thing took three, two, three weeks out of our, our groove. And that is in bachelor, bachelorette time. That's six, eight months. That's a long time. Three weeks when you don't really get to kind of, you know, smooth out your connection and strengthen it. Yeah. That, that, and it's complete full of bullshit. Like most people won't last three weeks if there's that much nonsense involved. Oh, so then they have to kind of continue to to push through it. And even though there's something like, you know, dampering on it. So that kind of shows what Rachel had kind of and I had started to build. And it was to the point where, like, I, we, we were able to kind of express that with one another. Like, listen, I, 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 and, and the truth of the matter is this. This is why I get Peter. You know, I know everybody's mad at Peter right now, but I get Peter because I wasn't really ready for hometowns. I was really at the point where I was kind of scared to be in the position where I was in, where I I really like this girl, but I'm not sure about our connection. And then to whisk her through Vegas, bring these cameras, and then the inevitable, you know, hey, Kenzie, here's Rachel, and then uh, do all this, because Kenzie already loved Rachel. So then to be able to, and then maybe that doesn't work, and then be able to separate that, and then have to rip her, you know, from this little little girl fantasy that she's probably already concocting in her head. I wasn't, I really wasn't, I didn't feel like we were there. And I, and it was and it was something that I'd thought about a lot, and it was you know it was on my mind. Okay, that'll do it for part one of the Kenny King interview. I got to be honest with you, people, uh, I screwed up the audio here. It was about four minutes that Kenny still had on that answer where he was talking about Rachel. He was talking about where they were at in their relationship. I put the whole piece together. I added the ending, you know, the outro music, and all of a sudden it bled. It didn't sound well, and I went to go back to retrieve the original file where I recorded the whole Kenny interview with no ending and no music, and I had already deleted it uh, from my file. So I apologize for that. Uh, Where we just ended, Kenny probably had another four minutes of answer there to talk about his relationship with Rachel. It was my screw-up. It's not like I was cutting anything out that was controversial or anything like that. He was just very complimentary of Rachel and where they were at in their relationship but I screwed up the audio because I added my ending over it. When I put the whole thing together, I listened to it back to get your timestamps and realized, oh, crap. Kenny's answer is playing while I'm doing my outro over it. And it just, I could have easily deleted it from there and went back and just got the original file. But I'd already deleted Kenny's original file because we recorded this a couple weeks ago. So I apologize for that. It was only about four minutes left. Uh, so I do want to make that known. That's why the answer probably when it cuts off there, you're like, wait, didn't sound like he was done. Well, he wasn't. He had another three or four minutes, but he was very complimentary of Rachel talking about their relationship. They just weren't on the same page. And obviously he had McKenzie at home and Rachel saw that. And Rachel was further along in her relationship with other guys. So she let Kenny go and he was totally cool with it. So, uh, I apologize for that. Sorry you missed the last four minutes of that answer, um, but uh, we'll pick it up next week with podcast number 45, part two of the Kenny King interview. We'll talk about his wrestling career. We'll talk about the Peter and Rachel ending, what he thought of that. Talk about why he didn't go on Bachelor in Paradise, because he definitely was asked, and it was a consideration uh, for him. So thank you to Kenny uh, for this week, and obviously going to thank him for next week, because the second part of the interview is probably just as good as the first, if not better. So thank you again for all listening. I really appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week for Podcast 45. I am Reality Steve, and we will talk to you next week. See you.